0: Georgia's DBHDD reminds people that the Good Samaritan Law can save lives during alcohol and drug overdoses. People are urged to call 911 and stay until help arrives. More information at opioidresponse.info.
1: On this edition of Political Rewind, we look at politics and the Super Bowl. The lieutenant governor flexes his muscle and declares out with the old, in with the new. Controversy bubbles up as the legislature looks at buying new voting machines. And a Georgia congressman scolds the FBI for its treatment of Roger Stone. Political Rewind starts right now. Well, we're glad to have you with us for this edition of Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. It's Super Bowl time in Atlanta, Georgia. We're going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl and politics uh, with our panel today. We start with our lead political writer, the AJC's lead political writer, Jim Galloway. You read him in the Wednesday and Sunday editions of the paper. And uh, he also oversees the Political Insider blog, which... All day, every day is updating political stories. My uh, AJC.com will you get go. you there. Yeah. Right. right? You have tickets to the game, don't you? Uh, in front of my television, center, <laughs> as I do. <laughs> 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 like a lot of us. Amy Steigerwald, political science professor at Georgia State University, is back with us. Hello, Amy. How are you? Good. How are you today? I'm I'm terrific. And I know you looked at tickets to the game and saw... We
0: did. And they're very expensive.
1: <laughs> Stacey Evans, former state representative, is with us today. You ran in the primary against Stacey Abrams. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about the way uh, your former opponent, Star has just risen and risen yes. since the election. And uh, we'll get to that in a little while. Thanks for being here.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Um, and um, we also have Loretta Lapore on Fridays with us. Loretta was uh, Sonny Purdue's. Press Secretary when Sonny was governor of Georgia and now does consulting work. And again, I always like to say public policy is really the area increasingly that you focus on rather than campaign-oriented issues.
3: Yes. I'm turning into a little bit of a policy nerd. A, a wonk. But I, a wonk. Okay, wonk <laughs> sound. I don't know which sound better, better but yeah, that's where I like to spend my time. All
1: right. <laughs> uh, Galloway, let me start with a big question that people have been asking. Is the NFL going to uh, require Mercedes-Benz stadium to have the roof open or closed on Sunday? You know, I don't know yet. I don't think they know yet. <laughs> that's been they've been talking about that for about four or five days now. I know that in some ways they kind of want to show off that uh, that roof. I think marvel. I think
4: the weather's going to be fine yeah. for an open roof yeah. open roof game.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll see about that. Uh one thing that's not going to be open is a 27 million dollar bridge paid for primarily by the state uh but which uh, your reporters at the AJC say the city of Atlanta overpaid some two million dollars for a function that is—they don't know what it's what it's all about. Right, yet. right.
4: Mayor, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms is disputing the price, but I, but uh, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll go with our people on on that one. But it looks it's going to be open. It's it's but it's going to be open for for the Super Bowl elite uh, media and and uh, uh, people with passes. The the Hoy are going to have to cross the street.
1: Yeah, the the bridge was created so that people could get if they claimed from Vine City uh, to the other side of Northside Drive. So it spans Northside Drive. Um, the only reason it's worth mentioning, I think, in some ways today, uh, Amy is, you know, the AJC contacted Mayor Bottoms about this, said, where did this two million dollar bill come from out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and she. just didn't wouldn't talk about it uh, Mm -hmm. until they pressed the issue. And and it strikes me that there are aspects of her first year in office where people are saying transparent or not transparent, responsive to concerns right away. What do you say about that?
0: I think it's a difficult thing for anyone in office, especially when they first come in, Um, and she's come in at a time also where there were sort of these last and lingering and remaining issues about transparency, about ethics that she's having to deal with, because – a lot of times there's a lot to oversee. There's a lot of things that you have to look at and be able to take a thing. And I think it's a fair criticism to say, well, where is this, where is this money coming from? Right. Why is it being spent? What is leading to it? Um, it can also be difficult when you're the person having to answer the question. You can speak better to this than I can. Um, of Sometimes you're not sure what the answer is yeah. and you're having to find out yourself and that can be difficult. But I think she's had to walk a sort of fine line of making sure that she's giving the information that is necessary, but also particularly at this moment wanting to still present the city of Atlanta mm. in a good light because yep. saying that all of a sudden you got to spend a ton of money right before the Super Bowl is a problem.
1: Uh, the city auditor says that there was this two million dollar bill that nobody's quite sure what it went for and I don't want to overemphasize this Loretta but I do think it's interesting because it raises it makes us think as Amy says about the responsibility of an elected official to know everything <laughs> and if, if he or she doesn't uh, they find themselves behind the eight ball.
3: Right. Well, I mean, I think she deserves credit on the one hand for uh, creating the website where all of the city's expenditures, which are, is how are the HHC learned right, about right? this. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so she de- she deserves credit for that. The two million dollars, somebody ought to be able to speak to that very clearly because yeah. somebody ought to be monitoring those dollars as they were being used and deployed, um, and if they are a mistake, then somebody ought to know that that's a mistake in reporting on the website as well. Uh, I think with respect to her her pause and responding about the bridge being open or not being open, I'm sure that was just some of being new and no. her team going through the first major event here in the city under her leadership and clearly when you have an event of this scope you're dealing with all kinds of authorities that you're not used to dealing with. So she may be dealing with the Atlanta Police Department on a daily basis or even state entities but you've got some federal entities in here on the ground and they're making determinations about security yeah. and what can and can't be opened and so I think she may have been attempting to be um, judicious in how she responded about that mm-hmm. but when you are a public official you have to have some answer.
1: Yeah, uh, We do know that the feds are the reason the bridge isn't going to be open for security reasons. She was a supporter of yours during the primary campaign, but uh, Stacey Evans, she, uh, like any new elected official uh, in a new job, it still continues to sort of find her footing, doesn't she?
4: Well,
2: I think she's unfortunately dealing with, as was mentioned, the baggage left over from the last administration, and so I think we can't be surprised that maybe she's less than willing sometimes to to give press interviews because she doesn't, she's being viewed in a light. That's not hers sometimes, and and that's a little unfair, and I I think she realizes that. I would say, though, on this particular situation, there's so much good news to talk about around the Super Bowl, and whatever she talks about publicly is what the news is going to be. So she wants to talk about things that are going right. That makes sense. She doesn't want to talk about the things that are going wrong. She doesn't want that to be the story.
1: And and I will say that I've heard her do a number of national interviews in the last couple Mm -hmm. days, and she's represented the city, in my
4: opinion, really quite well yeah she's, she's uh, I, I think overall, I think she's doing fine
2: okay okay. What I found surprising in that article um, was that the Marta station. Uh, is still still shows Georgia Dome. That's what I was most <laughs> surprised about So How did Mercedes has got to be a little bit upset about that? I would think <laughs>
1: so. Oh my gosh. The I mean, branding
2: and advertising that they're missing.
1: Yeah, out. couldn't Arthur yeah. Blank or Mercedes pay a little bit more money for a new sign, Jim? Well, Marta is
4: very <laughs> judicious with its its spending. Robbie uh, <laughs> Ash will tell you that. <laughs> yeah, you sure will. The chairman <laughs> of the Marta.
2: Saving money. All saving right.
4: money, yes. Uh on to
1: other matters <laughs> about the Super Bowl. Jim Galloway, um we already know that Stacey Abrams is raising her profile to a new height because she'll do the response to the State of the Union speech next Tuesday. We'll talk about that in a minute. In the meantime, she's gonna, we're going to see her here in Georgia in a Super Bowl ad on
4: Sunday night. Right, a uh, hundred thousand dollar air buy for 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 a statewide uh, statewide exposure, and the issue will be voting. And and. Accurate uh, and and machines. Yeah, and this is what what we're seeing is is this is new for us. This is this is a new form of politics that we're experiencing in and around the state capitol right now, because because Democrats, led by Abrams, but also uh, very well coordinated in 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 the Senate Democratic and House House Democratic caucuses, they are they are working around kind of the Republican messaging on yeah. the voting machines to a, to a big extent. If you don't mind, let's
1: park that just for a minute, because we're going to dig into that in a much deeper way in a couple minutes. But before we do that, here's the Super Bowl spot that Stacey Abrams will appear in on uh, uh, during uh, the game in Georgia media markets
0: smile. <laughs> I'm Republican Natalie Crawford, County Commissioner in North Georgia. And I'm Democrat Stacey Abrams from Atlanta.
3: We don't agree on everything, but we
0: love Georgia and want fair elections. Every vote should be counted from every corner of our state. We need hand-marked paper ballots and our election officials to have the support they need. Join us in the fight for election reform. Take a selfie and share your support. Use hashtag fair elections now because picturing fair elections is something we can all do.
1: Loretta, one of the things that's interesting about that spot is Natalie Crawford is a Republican. Right. Which is why she says, we don't agree on everything. But there she is with Stacey Abrams right. in a commercial that essentially says, we better do better in the way elections are run, as opposed to, without saying it, the way the one that she, Stacey Abrams, was in in 2018.
3: So, as we like to say in politics, sometimes issues create strange bedfellows. (laughs) Um, And in this instance, these two individuals have aligned on a particular issue around voting rights. Um, And in Hapersham County, they had some difficulty with ballots cast in in one of their races, and they had to redo that election. Um, Natalie's also been a proponent of, of course, the um, hand-marked ballots, Mm -hmm. uh, which Democrats are also advocating for. And so so they've come together to do this. I think on a broader level, um, there is... This is symbolic of, of what is going on in other places around this bipartisan effort to ensure that Georgia has fair elections moving forward, that they're fair and transparent elections, and that that doesn't have to be aligned with one party or the other, but that both parties can work together to ensure that, the, that as we move forward, may not have been so pretty last November, but moving forward, that our system has one that is, is uh, filled with integrity and people can trust the outcome. Yeah. Um,
0: I think it also highlights the fact that sort of, as Loretta was noting, on a lot of these issues, they cut across bipartisanship, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a single party. The idea that we want to count all of the ballots to make sure that they, our interests are reflected accurately, really has nothing to do with either of the parties. And I mm-hmm. think it really sort of showcases that and these kind of broader issues as it's going on. And I think it's also particularly interesting that they're highlighting the idea of a paper ballot, right? The idea that in many ways, right, it's unhackable that, yes, there are the these advances in technology, but sometimes, at least in their argument, really simple paper and pencil can work quite well.
1: Yeah, it, it, as I said, I want to move into that in a minute. But, but Jim, did you want to weigh in? Because I want to ask a question about the well, commercial but, itself. Yes, so go but ahead.
4: But, but what I have to. That commercial that we've just seen is it's, it's not about uh, Stacey Abrams running for U.S. Senate. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's about a, an issue that's on the floor of the legislature exactly. right now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It is it is, out, it is it is there to persuade Republican lawmakers to back away from this Safe Commission proposal. Uh, for for uh, optical scan or I'm I'm sorry for for touchscreen voting. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's talk about that then. And, and but before we do, again, I'm interested. <laughs> I kept trying to move it down, but you know what? It's obviously a good thing to talk about now. But before we do, Stacey Evans, I think the tone of that spot is great, isn't it? I mean, it's fantastic. Very you know very upbeat. They're doing a selfie. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of this whole new approach to how. Elected officials politicians are communicating mm-hmm. with their uh, constituents their friends their supporters
4: out there It's a
2: great ad you have two women. They look great. They look comfortable. They're smiling. They're happy um, I think it, it's a great ad for Stacey Abrams um, for not only her personally how she comes across as uh, Very personable and relatable in that ad um, shows her working with a Republican which is something that people want to see It's also good for the Republicans to have someone in that ad who is saying not like Mitch McConnell, that it's a bad idea when people get the day off to vote. Yeah. But we want people to vote and we want those votes to be counted. I think that's a good thing for a democracy. So kudos all around. Great ad.
1: All right, Galloway, let's do it. The, <laughs> <laughs> the safe commission was appointed by uh, then Secretary of State Brian Kemp to explore new systems for voting. Right? Right. And... Uh, what was interesting about it is the commission came back and a majority of the members of the commission said uh, they want what they call ballot marking machines, which means you vote on a computer, but it generates a paper trail. The Democrats voted against, on the commission voted against it, and the one cybersecurity expert on the commission, a Georgia Tech professor, Cooley.
4: said... It, we ought to go to paper ballots. That sets the
1: stage for where we're
4: at now. Right. So what you had on Wednesday was okay. This, this happened, I think, January tenth, a, a few weeks ago. Uh, they they put their, their report out uh, uh, on Wednesday of, of of this last week. Uh, the House Democratic Caucus had one of their little they had a meeting, a, a kind of a dog and pony show on, on voting machines, and the room was absolutely packed. It was filled with Democrats, there were a few Republicans, and uh, they launched what they, they call a, the, the, the dissent, the, a commissioned, uh, dissent, dissenting report.
1: Democrats want paper
4: ballots that you mark yourself. They, paper ballots, and they, they, they uh, described the commission, the way the commission arrived at its uh, decision as vendor-driven. <laughs> that it was uh, that it was being driven by the by the people with a financial stake in the outcome. So,
1: what's interesting about this, Stacy, because you were down there, mm-hmm. uh, is to and Jim points this out in a column that uh, is in the Sunday paper. Uh, That for Democrats to generate this kind of attention, a minority party at the state legislature, Mm -hmm. a party which either gets rolled over quite frequently by Republican legislators or for reasons, practical reasons, goes along with the majority, they made a big show out of their opposition Mm -hmm. and attracted attention. And I don't think they would have attracted – and I think you sort of say this – they wouldn't have attracted Democrats this kind of attention a session ago or two sessions ago. It shows that while they're still in the minority, people are starting to pay attention to Democrats.
2: It's a new day. Uh, (laughs) There are more Democrats uh, in the legislature than there have been in quite some time. Um, And the public is with the Democratic position on this issue, period. Uh, Folks are very skeptical about these electronic machines. Now, I have a little bit Of a nuanced position on this i think that the process was bad i absolutely agree with my democratic colleagues and former colleagues that 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 was that was a bad process and it does appear to have been very vendor driven and there are certainly reasons for us to be skeptical of the safety of these machines but if we could get that right it's really hard to argue that the touch screen electronic voting is not more clear than a hand marked paper ballot and you can look at example after example. You can talk about Bush v. Gore and hanging chads. You can talk about people uh, halfway bubbling, bubbling to the right instead of bubbling to the left. And then somebody's got to decide what the voter meant. And that's terrifying to me to think about all of these individual counties and, and, and someone deciding who, what someone meant. When, when a, a touchscreen is is very clear, but we've got to take care of that security first. And until we can take care of that security, people are not going to be focusing on those problems with
3: hand marking Yeah, controls.
1: Loretta, you're nodding as Stacy says that.
3: Well, I am, because the, the machines are going to be much more clear in what they print out than if individuals are spending time marking with pencils and, um, and erasing and remarking. And, um, and and the way that the system would actually work is that you, you, you know, you obviously touch the screen and select your candidates, and then the ballot prints out, you review it, you personally scan it into the system, and then you put it in a box so that if there is a recount, they have two ways to go through a recount in a pretty quick manner. Um, and then you don't get into the voting chat issue where there is subjectivity on what that ballot looks like.
1: You know, so. Amy, I do understand the bubble and whether you whether you fill it in properly. I I, f- I have always thought this hanging Chad Florida Bush v. Gore argument is missing the point in terms of that at least. The problem with the Florida ballot in 2000 was the ballot was drawn poorly. If you recall that ballot, it was not just about whether people punched all the way through. It was the positioning of Bush's name, Gore's name on the ballot that made it even more complicated to figure out. I mean, so part of it is ballot design in addition to the machinery you're using to vote on, isn't it? Most
0: decidedly. I mean, we've seen this in other uh, elections that were happening as well, concerns, uh, for example, in one of the Florida races, that because of the way that it was listed, that a number of people might have actually missed the U.S. Senate race yeah. because of where it was listed mm-hmm. in comparison to the rest of the ballot. Um, and so ballot design is a huge thing. I think it's on both sides that there is, number one, this issue of, are the initial results going to be protected? And I think getting at the mm-hmm. point Stacey was bringing up, that a lot of people are distrustful about the machines. You hear stories coming out about, oh, it changed my vote. And particularly right now, with no record other than what's recorded in the machine, there's no way to go back and check it, right? You don't get to actually see what actually gets recorded. You just see that sort of last page. And so there needs to be some sort of trail there. A separate section is... If, in fact, there's a contested vote and now we're going back to the ballots and we're trying to figure out what they say, then we start to look at these things. And it is definitely true that a lot of the issues that we saw in Bush v. Gore were much more a function of ballot design and also a an actual physical system which was difficult to use um that's sort of the other thing the punch system is is a very difficult it has its own issues like yeah. it, it sort of always has a lot of false negatives
1: Jim you alluded though to the uh to one of the reasons democrats are are a little more exorcised than they might otherwise have been um there's this uh concern about cronyism uh the uh voting machine that the not that they not that they recommended a specific company but the style of voting machine that the safe commission recommended is exactly the kind that's produced by a company ES&S and their lobbyist is, is
4: uh, the their lobbyist was, was a fellow named <clears throat> Charles Harper yeah. who is now on on uh on governor Kemp's staff. Deputy Chief of staff I think, right? Right? Okay. Not uh shabby. and so that's 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 mm-hmm. pardon.
2: So not a shabby position. No,
4: no. No, no. no, no, <laughs> no. It, it, so is so it's it's a I mean it's a it's a sig- significant spot and and the history is pretty recent and uh I believe there's also a case where 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 the company also uh named uh uh, someone who's serving as general counsel for campus secretary yes. of state david dove yep. uh up 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 to uh to 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 a, to a las vegas function uh and he is on kem staff as well yeah
3: i'd like to address that issue for a minute because i te- i attended some of these safe commission meetings and followed it very closely and and this whole idea that it was vendor driven is not is not accurate so So those meetings, that that commission was a bipartisan commission, for one. It was made up of state elected officials, as well as county election officials, as well as technology experts. So not only was it bipartisan, but it had a cross-section of individuals who are intimately familiar with our voting process here in Georgia. And that vote was 13 to 3. Mm -hmm. Now, after that meeting got underway, the first meeting, they put out an RFQ, the Secretary of State's office put out what's called an RFQ to see what the technology currently is today around voting machines. So a number of companies submitted their solicitations explaining what they did. Some of those vendors came in to present subsequent meetings about the technology itself, about the machines. No machines have been selected. Right. Right. So whatever the legislature decides, however this goes based on the recommendation from the commission and then how much of that that they take into account or they take into the minority positions account, and whatever they come out with, then an RFP will be put out to decide who the vendor will be. I
1: think that's a great explanation. Stacey, uh, what's interesting about what Loretta said is, number one, it is certainly true that there's been no choice yet. Of a vendor for these machines. For that matter, the legislature hasn't voted to say right. yes. We want ballot marking computers, uh, right. although we assume that's where they're headed. So, uh, to raise questions about the connections between ES and S and Governor Kemp's staff, maybe not premature, but not necessarily proof of anything. Um, underhanded about what's going on.
2: Certainly, no contracts have been handed out yet. Though you've seen a strong signal in the governor's budget that this is the way they want to go because they being
1: 150 million budgeted
2: for 150 million as opposed but, to but the not necessarily million. that
1: vendor. There are a not number of vendors vendor. who True. produce machines quite right. that fit the description, is my understanding. But they've
2: been so front and center in the discussions and the process that I yeah. think. Listen, I, I don't have a, a an initial strong negative reaction to someone when they say they're a lobbyist i mean everybody has to make a living and, and that's that's a function it's a, it's a vital function of our of the process of getting information to legislators right you should take it all with a grain of salt yeah. when it's coming from a lobbyist but they are a source of information for legislators um so i don't fault someone for pushing for their position but i think it was a really sort of an unforced error on kemp's part to, to make this appointment, I mean, why do that? He could have avoided this whole discussion
1: I, Jim, I think that's a good point too. Here's a guy who's now Governor of Georgia who wants to certainly wants to get out from under this cloud of the election having not been fairly uh, uh, held, conducted, voter purges, all the problems that were raised uh, during the campaign, his decision not to recuse himself from overseeing the election. This seems like a simple issue to avoid entirely even if it meant, say, waiting till a while before you appoint if you really want Charlie Harper to be your deputy but, chief of staff.
4: But you do have to understand that some of these some of these relationships go, go back years uh, into yeah. to, to to when yeah. when Brian Kennedy started serving as secretary of the state. Okay. And enough. you know one of the you know it it was true on the democratic side but one of the uh, but, but especially true in the republican world is that uh, loyalty and relationships matter a whole lot. Sure. Sure. All right. So we're going to watch
1: how that unfolds. What I find Okay, so here's the irony in the other direction. If, you know, the AJC has done this story a couple times now. We're talking about it. What if ES&S happens to make the absolutely premier machinery for this kind of voting? Um, is this going to make it? Very difficult for legislators and the governor to move forward with giving them a contract if
4: there are concerns. But, but, but I, I do, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, they already they already have a contract with the state. They they do mm-hmm. maintain Georgia's current uh, uh, crop of voting machines. Okay,
1: but this is an additional 150 right. yes. million dollar contract. So (laughs)
0: there's
4: concerns.
0: I mean, that's sort of the issue on all of this is that many times, right, perception is more what people know as opposed to the information behind. And it does run that risk. I mean, I think the bigger thing is to be able to have a sort of public debate and for all the information that Loretta was talking about that has come out of the safe commission to explain to people about what it is that we want in these new voting machines. What we know is they have to have some type of a paper record. What that then is going to look like and what's the best way to do that is something that sort of needs to be debated and my hope would be that they would listen to right the concerns coming from the various county officials, right, including who we just saw on uh, the last the ad with Stacey Abrams coming out of Habersham County, right, as well as the cybersecurity experts, et cetera, in order to make the sort of best decision yeah. there.
1: All right. Tell you what, let's get a break out of the way and come back and uh, talk about a number of other issues that popped up over the last couple of days. And you know what, Loretta Lepore, I'm so glad you were watching the Safe Commission because we're going to ask you to keep us up to speed on how these things are uh, unfolding from the insider's point of view. That's why you're a political insider. Okay. Just for the record, I have
3: no interests in, this, I get in, in, it. in, in the discussion. Right. <laughs> right. All right. Let's Except do this. Wrong. Let's All get
1: right. a break out of the way. We'll be back in just a minute.
0: A Seat at the Table is a weekly series hosted by Deneen Milner, Christine White, and Monica Pearson. The mission of A Seat at the Table is to let African-American women have a platform to educate communities about the black woman's experience, life, and journey.
3: Today we're talking about using the N-word.
0: Is a college education still necessary in today's world? Today we're talking about what it means to be folk. From credit to
3: entrepreneurship, black
0: women are about our business. Join us for A Seat at the Table on GPD.
1: Tim Galloway, President Trump yesterday had a little scrum in the cabinet room, spent most of his time talking again about how the wall has to be part of any kind of deal or else he's going to reject it. Uh, But he was also asked about Stacey Abrams. Here's what he said.
3: "Oh, I campaigned against Stacey Abrams. I know that uh,
2: President Obama campaigned for her, uh, Michelle Obama campaigned for her, and Oprah
3: campaigned for her.
2: And all
1: Brian had was me. And he won fairly easily. know, yeah, fairly easily. Uh,
3: so uh, I hope that she does a good job. I mean, I respect her. I don't know her. I haven't met her, but I hope she does a good job.
4: Jim? Well, he hasn't given her a nickname. A uh, couple corrections here. Yeah. Uh, number one, I don't think Michelle Obama ever campaigned for. Yeah, that's really right. Uh, Barack Obama did, and and uh, Oprah. Uh, so did so did Oprah, uh, and I think Donald Trump is forgetting that uh, Mike Pence, his his vice president, yeah. uh, was down here for a couple times. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm sure I'm sure Governor Kemp would like to say that he had a hand in his own victory. I would think he might yeah. feel that way, Stacy. Yeah, I think so. And he
2: also had a, a very popular, outgoing Republican governor in Governor Deal um, campaigning for him, and, and he had that going for him as well. So, yeah, I would definitely think that uh, Governor Kemp would, would not probably quite agree exactly with what Donald Trump said. And um, I don't think anyone would say he won quite easily either. I yeah. think that was... A, a little bit of a misstatement there yeah. on Trump's
1: part. So, just this is sheer speculation. We don't know. We can't get inside the mind of President Trump. But um, why so easygoing? Why so nice about Stacey Abrams, Amy?
0: I think he is in... It's hard to know, and this is, of course, gross speculation. But he does <laughs> seem, seem to... We love that on this show. <laughs> he does seem to be recently... <clears throat> at least understanding and much more perceptive about the power of certain female politicians. Uh-huh. A very similar person that doesn't have a nickname so far is Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, but
1: oh man, he's now going after her once again she with guns blazing. She is, but he
0: still said, he refers to her as Nancy. And, you know, I think a lot of times he's got to refer to her as Madam Speaker. And at the end of the day and their last little query that sort of put off. And so I think some of this is sort of realizing that many of the statements where he's gone after people, it has not necessarily worked well for him. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also that there's not a really good thing for him to hang his hat on when it comes to Stacey Abrams. And he probably does recognize that there's a lot of her voters that he's going to need to bring back into the fold if he wants to, in fact, win Georgia.
1: Yeah, it also may be, it strikes me, that she hasn't achieved the kind of position in the political universe yet that qualifies her for being attacked by President Trump. (laughs) Well,
3: I think some of what Amy alluded to is very accurate. Um, But I also, I know that there's been reporting that Senator Perdue had lunch with the president very recently. And so he may have tempered his comments predicated on what was discussed at that Uh. lunch. Um, and you know, knowing that um because he's going to probably, you know, very actively campaign for Senator Perdue at some point, um, that maybe he they're just waiting on on that strategy.
4: Well, well, if I if I could jump in here, uh, if you if uh, if you go back to the AJC poll of, of that came out last last month, uh, uh, Purdue's approval rating was I think at forty five percent, which is, which is not bad. It's 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 uh, he, it was far better than Brian Kemp's, but uh, and he did very very well in the in the, in rural Georgia. But Purdue also didn't do bad in suburban metro Atlanta. No,
1: surprisingly well compared to other Republicans.
4: And if 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 Trump were to start going after Ms. Abrams in a harsh fashion, that uh, that that redounds to 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 David Purdue. Really? really, an interesting point.
0: Well, and actually, just on that, real quick, the person who did have much higher than both Purdue and Kemp in the ratings was in fact Stacey Abrams. Right.
1: Stacey Evans, if you, if you don't mind, you, you ran against Stacey Abrams in the primary. You, you made a very—you had a strong case for your uh, candidacy, as did she. She beat you. And you very quickly and very graciously endorsed her. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't help but want to ask, as long as we have you here today, as you watch her ascendancy mm-hmm. in the National Democratic Party, mm-hmm. how, how, do, how do you deal with that personally? Is it—are is it, you thrilled for her? Do you feel a little you know, a sense of could have been me, you know, how do you react to that?
2: I'm happy for her. I think she's um, she's really made a great name for herself and she's putting Georgia in a good light. And so that that makes me happy Um, as a proud Georgian and someone named Stacey. I think think that's a great thing. Um, I have to agree with you. I think that lunch may have tempered Trump because he had gone after Stacey Abrams before. I think he called her unqualified once before, which. Was was such mm. a silly statement mm-hmm. for him to make about about her, given her educational credentials, her service credentials, and everything like that. Um, so I think maybe Purdue said, you know, can you just? Um, but we'll see. After she makes her speech, my guess is nobody will be able to stop him from saying whatever he wants I to would, say, and I suspect he'll have some words.
1: Uh, are you encouraging? Uh, do you? Are, do, would you encourage her to go ahead and and uh, make the race against uh, uh, David Purdue?
2: I would. I mean, I, I think she's in a great position. She would likely clear this. Field um, and not have a primary, which would be a wonderful thing. Um, her her popularity, her her name ID, her support, her, her network, uh, approval that, ratings, yeah. mm-hmm. everything is is sky high. And you know, four years is a long time. Yeah. So strike strike while the iron's hot. I would definitely encourage her to do it. And I and I think giving the State of the Union a response, doing this commercial, uh, I think points to her probably leaning that way. But it, it's a hard it's a hard choice. I'm sure when when you decided you want to do something, you decided I want to be governor. It's hard. To switch to something else, so I, I can personally understand why she's grappling with it.
1: Um. So, what do you? We. One of the things we're waiting for, and you may have heard, I certainly haven't, where she's going to
4: do it. No, no, we have uh, no details yet. Yeah, no details yet. Uh, last, uh, the last word, I heard was uh midweek they were trying to decide whether it's atlanta or 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 washington whether it's you know the the small office that republicans seem to prefer or if or like joe kennedy uh uh in in last year was was at a a plant had a bunch of workers around him had people with Uh, you know i me i would counsel for simplicity i would i would leave the props at home People or otherwise, and just kind of just you and the camera, and a and a, and and some some good thoughts. Anybody else want to weigh in on that? Oh,
2: I disagree with that so much.
4: What do you I'm think?
2: Sorry to disagree with you, Jim, so strongly, but when you're giving a speech, you need feedback. I think that's why these speeches are often so awkward because you're just staring at a camera. There's no clapping. There's no smiling. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to engage with. Um, I think having people there, having some sort of reaction that that she can play off, will make her a much better
3: presenter.
1: You're the former press secretary. You ought to be able to weigh in on this one for us.
3: Well, I think it, it, it does speak a lot to the individual. Yeah. What, is the, how is, what is the individual's style and how do they best um, perform in this type of environment? And I think to Stacey's point, Stacey Abrams has always been a powerful speaker in front of other people. She tends to get some type of energy from the people around her and is able to speak directly to them when she's in a less... You know when there are less fewer people around and she's more isolated she tends to be more reserved so um, it really is going to depend on what she what kind of image and tone she wants to evoke
1: okay all right let's move on uh, Jim i in passing because we don't mm-hmm. have to talk about it for a long period of time but as we move to other subjects uh, we've got word now that uh, Governor Kemp has named a successor to Vernon Keenan, who was with GBI in one capacity or another for more than four decades, 15 as director, in many ways a beloved figure in that agency, and now uh, the governor has picked his successor.
4: This is one of the the prime appointments that a governor can make, and and bec- for that very reason, because it it's it's generally a point, uh, an appointment that doesn't expire at the end of the governor's term. It uh, that 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 it, it's something that 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 keeps that you can hold on to for a while. Uh, c- Vic Reynolds uh, is, is was a very, is a very popular DA in, in Cobb. He helped. He was one of the first. I think one of the first few DAs to back Kemp uh, in this contest and helped him formulate his uh, his his policy as far as uh, as as going after gangs, gangs in Georgia. Yeah, Georgia. Yeah. Uh, his appointment is really interesting in terms of local Cobb County politics, because this is a the 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 the, the district attorneys. Uh, office the sheriff's office and the Cobb commission chair are all coming open in 2020 Mm -hmm. and we know that Cobb has is in the last two cycles has has pretty much gone blue Mm -hmm. and so it's it's going to be a very interesting it's going to be very interesting to see who Kemp might pick to to fill that term in the meantime
1: Uh, do you have any uh, uh observations about Vic Reynolds up up in your up your way Cobb County
2: yeah, I, th- I think very highly of Vic. I think this was a good choice by Governor Kemp. I'm excited for my friend Vic Reynolds. I'm, I think he'll do a great job. And it, it opens up some more opportunities um, for Democrats in Cobb County, which, of course, makes me happy. And certainly the Democratic Party was looking and, and trying to recruit for They're trying to recruit for commission chair, for DA, for sheriff, for these races coming up in 2020. And uh, Vic Reynolds would have been a hard Republican to beat for Democrats. I I would be the first to admit that. It will definitely
4: make Democratic recruiting for for the DA spot a a lot lot easier.
2: It'll be much easier. It'll be much easier.
1: All right. Well, we're going to watch Vic Reynolds when he steps into that role uh, relatively soon. Um, Jim, Jeff Duncan, the brand-new lieutenant governor... Has essentially uh, put his foot down. And he has said that there are a number, and I think it's a fairly large number of people who Governor Deal, who left office as one of the most popular governors the Georgia's had in modern times, a number of those appointees, he doesn't want them there. He's going to kick him out and start over again. Well,
4: what he is saying is is what, what he is saying is that uh, uh, and and I, I, Amy can give the historical background. Wow. My my first thought was Marbury versus Madison. Uh, uh, and it, it, look it up. Uh, We're going to talk about it. but Go but, ahead. But but basically, what happened is is Governor Deal, as he was walking out the door, sent uh sent the Senate a, a list of his appointees that that he needed them to ratify in order to to hold office. I think three of them uh, they they include three appointments to the board of regents he 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 sent it to lieutenant governor jeff duncan before he was sworn in as Mm. lieutenant governor and apparently the proper thing to do would have been to send it to the secretary of state because because there was no uh, lieutenant governor to send it to so duncan has declared that list null and void uh we will see what happens next week uh Kemp Brian Kemp is supposed to to give give that list plus whatever he uh, appointments he wants over to the Senate by the 10th day of the session, which will be next sometime next week, and we will see whether whether the the list of appointees is vastly different from what Nathan Deal get, uh, left left him or not.
1: All right. So uh, first of all, Mar- Marbury versus Madison, major early test in the United States Supreme Court, right? It was uh, a result of the presidential battle between John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, right? If I got mm-hmm. this right so far, Jefferson won. hmm uh, and, it, and after winning, tried to get rid of a bunch of people that Adams had. How did the next step of that work? Uh,
0: there had been put in so the outgoing president had passed a new yes, bill Adams. that added right. a number of right. positions, a lot right. of judgeships, as well as uh, Marbury was going to be a uh, post officer, post office master.
1: Yeah. So and so this is Marbury versus. It is Madison. Marbury v. <laughs> Madison. Right. That was the exact same
0: thing. The the compli- the question was whether or not the uh, there. Their nominations had been correctly delivered. The person that was supposed to deliver them was the secretary of state. The secretary of state had (laughs) in the interim been nominated to be chief justice of the Supreme Court or chief justice of the United States, who was, Mm. of course, the head of the Supreme Court. Mm. Uh, And so that led to sort of an interesting case, the canceling of the Supreme Court for a term because they didn't want the case to be heard. So that's actually why it was decided in 1803 and not Mm. 1802.
1: Now that I didn't know. All right, so what is (laughs) Jeff Duncan? Is Jeff Duncan merely trying to follow a procedure correctly, worrying that perhaps it could be overturned if someone wanted to go to court about these appointments? Or, as the AJC suggests, is he showing his muscles and, and is this a power play of some sort?
3: Um, you know, obviously I don't have that answer, but I will say that Jeff Duncan, the Lieutenant Governor Duncan, is someone who is going to govern by the book. Um, he, he is going to be a stickler for that type of thing. I think we're seeing indications of that in a lot of different ways. Um, I don't know about about the politics of this. I, I suspect that this list that is going back to the governor and the, the list that the governor is going to resubmit or submit of his own appointees to open spots will include some of these same folks that are on this list. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, we kind of just have to see how it washes out. How do you read this?
4: I don't know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like Loretta. I don't know what, what Lieutenant Gov- Governor uh, Duncan's motivations are. I will say that if that list that we're talking about is different vastly different next week well then uh he has done governor kemp a favor yeah which can uh which can help a lieutenant governor uh uh uh, later
1: on that was exactly what i was wondering Mm -hmm. uh stacy is he in fact acting as an agent on governor Mm -hmm. kemp's behalf and protecting governor kemp Mm -hmm. from this and this list may show us that
2: it may and and if, it's, if it was a political decision, I think that, that would be some evidence of that if, if you see some vastly different names in those spots. But I think from a good government standpoint, you can make the argument that we need to get this right because if the Board of Regents, for example, sets a policy um, and someone is um, punished under that policy, a student uh, or a university in some way, They would be able to challenge that decision by saying that there were certain people who made votes that could have been consequential that weren't there and weren't supposed to be there. So it could have been political. It could have been good government. It could have been both.
1: So uh, uh, I think the last word on that may be, Jim, uh, Jeff Duncan has managed to put himself in the headlines on several occasions already, and he's only a couple weeks into his job as
4: lieutenant governor and president of the (laughs) Senate. Right. This is only—it only comes (laughs) only a day or so after that he—after he uh, uh, said that he was kind of siding with Brian Kemp on the Netflix tax issue, that— that, that uh, the House wants in order to fuel uh, uh, the, the expansion of broadband in, in rural Georgia. I'm, I'm told that that's not that's, that the House isn't giving up on that. There's 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 yeah. more work to be All right, done. we're
1: going to talk about that as it moves forward in the legislature. But before we talk about anything else today, we're going to take another break. We'll be right back.
3: To be made there. It comes down to the vote.
0: On this election night, two wins in the biggest races. You broke your silence.
2: We move forward.
0: But then you pay the price.
2: When the smoke clears, you end up
4: guess the world. That's what you told me. Just a once in a lifetime opportunity for me.
2: We ride the house and
3: <laughs> Calls for action after the school shooting in Florida.
4: It's hard to say what motivated President Trump to
1: threaten to veto this bill. What do they say about the use of these weapons?
3: This is wild times. Wild
0: times with big issues. Coming back to prison is not an option.
3: All that and more. When the smoke
1: Welcome back to political rewind uh, Jim Galloway we talked a little while ago in this show about Democrats trying to show their uh, their they have a new sense of their own uh, power, now they've added a number of members to the House particularly. Uh, Bob Trammell, the minority leader, is introducing legislation to overturn
4: one of the more controversial pieces of legislation over the past five years, campus carry. Yeah, the right to to carry uh, concealed weaponry in certain places on, on the campuses of public universities. Uh, it uh it it is one of those uh suburban suburban versus rural sto- uh, uh, issues that that just breaks very very hard uh it is it is it is the reason that that shotgun that Brian Kemp used in his in his pri- primary ad uh had uh, it turned off as many voters as many republican voters as it turned on uh, so it was uh it's 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 a Will it succeed? I don't. I don't think so. Probably not. It uh, not this year, in any case. Mm-hmm. But is it an issue that uh, that you can run on year after year after year and get more and more support? Yeah, it's in uh, in the, in the uh, Trammell has dropped the, his bill in the in the House. Sally Harrell, who, who who defeated Fran Miller in in November, is is uh, dropping a similar bill in the Senate. Okay. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch, Daisy. It
2: will be, and I I agree with Jim that it it likely will not pass um this year it's probably not something that the committee chairman and the speaker will allow to to make it to the floor but it will be interesting to watch to see if any republicans quietly go down to the clerk's office and put their name on it and use it as a campaign issue when they're running uh, for re-election in the suburbs you have
4: you had uh eight republican senators uh sign on to renee uh, uh, including renee underman sign on to an era ERA bill Mm -hmm. right three of them: Brandon Beach. John Albers and P.K. Martin are in that North Metro swath mm-hmm. uh, that went heavily Democratic. And it wouldn't surprise me that, uh, that they, they may be thinking mm-hmm. about, uh, about that. Uh, It'd
3: be really smart. Mm-hmm. But, because mm-hmm. it breaks on, but because it breaks on those lines of Metro versus Urban, m- many of the Republicans that had signed on or opposed previous legislative campus carry in the past, they're, they're no longer in office, right? Yeah, right? So the number count doesn't necessarily change um, at this point in time.
1: All right. It, we'll watch how that unfolds, especially as, as you point out, an election issue for mm-hmm. 2020. Uh, Doug Collins. Let's talk about Representative Doug Collins for a couple minutes. He was, along with uh, a number of uh, his colleagues on the Hill in, in Washington, uh, really disturbed by the way Roger Stone, Amy, was treated when he was arrested by the FBI who uh, they did come in with a certain show of force <laughs> at a pre-dawn raid. And it is certainly true that when you look at the video, which, by the way, is under question two, because how did CNN know that it was unfolding? You know, that's another issue that Doug Collins is and Lindsey Graham's are raising. But uh, I think we can uh, take a look at what uh, do we have what Doug Collins said, I think. About all this. Yeah. Given the fact that the FBI is embroiled in a scandal related to the origins of this investigation, we are perplexed about why the FBI would use such a show of force in the arrest of an elderly man. Well, I resent the end of
4: that. That's 66
1: years
0: old. Roger Stone also would be really quite bothered by the idea that he is an elderly man. Yeah. Um, But I think the other side of it is that, number one, it is important to remember that Roger Stone in part is uh, being arrested on charges of witness tampering and evidence destruction. And so that quote unquote sort of show of force was really to prevent him from destroying evidence. Second, Roger Stone afterward said that he was treated quite courteously by the FBI and certainly didn't appear to be
1: by well he also though loretta he he said a couple of contradictory things right. he also yeah. made a statement in his black beret and dark sunglasses mm-hmm. that they treated him worse than if they it was a gestapo raid essentially so he's kind of gone both ways on that
3: right he was a little worried about his wife yes um, and his both. dog and his dog right <laughs> um and and what was happening i think You know, in these instances, the FBI uses different tactics in different situations, obviously. Um, And, you know, when we saw in the past, Rudy Giuliani was famous for this, for the perp walk, when he was Mm -hmm. prosecutor in New York. And it was, um, and and when asked about why he did that, why did he walk these white-collar criminals out in handcuffs in the middle of the New York press and create such a scene? And he said, it's the best way to create a deterrent. Um, and so I can't say that this is what happened in this situation um but clearly, there are a lot of different messages and signals being sent, not only in this but through a lot of the a lot of the efforts that are transpiring with this investigation a
4: couple things here. Uh, number 1 i think it's 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 good that that uh, republicans are 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 kind of focusing on uh, law enforcement use of force i think that i i think that uh, that resonates uh with a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, of people in in the U.S., uh, you know, well, not especially all, not, with
0: the Super Bowl and Kaepernick and the issues exactly, that was
4: exactly. Uh, the second thing I would say is <laughs> the good news for Doug Collins is that he is now he's got a new position as the ranking member, ranking Republican on the House Judiciary yep. Committee. The bad news for Doug Collins is that that makes him a chief defense attorney for for Donald Trump and will and 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 he'll have to serve in that role pretty much through the aftermath of whatever Robert Mueller I, comes out. You know with. what that's such a great point because this
1: is the beginning of that defense uh, that that he chooses to uh, join again the Lindsey Graham's and a few others critical of how the arrest of Roger Stone came down. And it's the it's the beginning of what I think we're going to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, he may become as as uh, uh, close to Donald Trump as David Perdue in terms of defending him left and right.
2: Which would be really disappointing. And I think this, this move to me was very disappointing <clears throat> because yes, the issue of police brutality is real. Um, but I haven't ever seen Doug Collins or Lindsey Graham or anybody else come out and talk about how people of color are treated when they are arrested uh, for much uh smaller crimes than what we're talking about with potentially with roger stone and and that that seems a little um just it just it's just really sad to see I will say. I served a little bit of time with Doug Collins uh, in my first term right Mm -hmm. before he left to go to Congress. And at least he had been involved in some of the criminal justice reform packages that deal put forward. And so he's not quite as hypocritical as I see some of the others that have come out and talked about this Roger Stone situation. But this is not the poster boy for police brutality. Mr. Roger Stone is not him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Jim Galloway, we are really short on time, but I want you to know about this if you haven't seen it. As we were sitting here, Politico pushed out a story that will mean a lot to you. Sam Nunn, a byline story, and his concern about the Trump administration uh, saying they are going to undo the nuclear treaty with Russia. Sam Nunn's entire career after leaving the U.S. Senate has been to
4: eliminate nuclear weapons. And his point is that the U.S. and Russia are stumbling toward a crisis. Yeah. This is all about the U.S. announcement that the U.S. is going to withdraw from the medium-range nuclear missile treaty.
1: The lead of of Sam Nunn's piece, and he's been a guest talking about this on Rewind with us, Jim, Friday morning's announcement by Secretary of State Mike Pompeo that America will withdraw from the INF Treaty because of Russian violations is the latest wake-up call that relations between the world's Nuclear superpowers are dangerously off the rails. Uh, There's no question that Sam Nunn will be speaking out on this a lot in the days and weeks ahead, right? I'll be giving a phone
4: call. (laughs) I wanted to give you a heads up.
1: (laughs) We are completely out of time uh, for today's show. Jim Galloway, you'll be back with me at uh, 2 o'clock on our Monday show, uh, when we're going to talk a little bit more in more detail about what we think might happen on the State of the Union address on Tuesday night. I'm looking forward uh, to that. Stacey Evans, thank you so much for being here Loretta Lepore, Amy Steigerwald. Uh, terrific conversation today. Thanks very much for being with us. I'm Bill Nygut. As I said, we will be back with you on Monday at 2, Tuesday at 2. John Ward, the author of Camelot's End, a new book about the battle between Edward Kennedy and Jimmy Carter for the 1980 Democratic presidential nomination, will join us for the hour. His book is really interesting. The Carter people hate it already. (laughs) We will talk about it on Tuesday. In the meantime, we'll see you as soon as possible, Monday at 2.